Welcome back to my song dissection. I did one that's uh, topical. Kanye's gone off a bit about it over Twitter for artists not making enough money. Because mm. I believe a statistic came out that in was it 2019 that the $43 billion that the music industry made, artists only received 10% of it. Or 12%, sorry. There you go. Which, while still a shitload of money, mm. is not the majority. It's not. When it is, you know, their music. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people involved for each song. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Kanye is saying that artists need to do what athletes did in the 90s and unionise. I was not aware that athletes did that. Do you know much about that? Because I definitely don't. Yeah, like players' associations and things like that. Yep. Okay. Create rules and regulations, like, we're going to get paid this much and... We're gonna do this. Like they, they, they bargain with the with the powers that be and say, yeah, okay. at the end of the year, we want six weeks off. Yeah, and then they'll or say, yes I just or won't no. pay for you. No, well, like because like if all the athletes are doing that, yeah, managers sort of they have to give them the money. They have the power. Yeah, the people have They're the, the brand. Power. Yeah, so yeah, Kanye is saying that people need to unionize. Mm. This song is about that. This is by Lupe Fiasco, Loop Back. Loop Back. Um, I don't know when this was actually released. One thing I've noticed with tracks like these, where they're giving you one strong message, is the first verse is always quite weak. It came out this year, mate, by the way. Loop Back? Yep. Oh, there you go. Had a little look up. I thought it was older than that. It definitely sounds older. No, wait. 2011. Yeah, that sounds better. Does it start with... Yield to the forces of darkness. Sounds like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2011. I don't know why it came out with 2020 on it. I don't know why either. No, yeah, right it, it is definitely 2011. That that rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. The first verse, it is littered with great lyricism throughout, but as far as the message he's trying to preach goes, mm. it's pretty much, I'm the leader of a great big group of people. I'm bringing mm. everyone together. And we're looking for change, mm. which I, I I do like. But um, yeah, he he saves all the juicy stuff of verse two, so you got to listen to the whole thing to be able to get to the juice of it all. The juice. He starts out with mocking rappers that repeat themselves, rapping about Louis and Gucci. Mate, he's ahead of his time. He he, he called really out is. um, what is that guy's name? Lil Pump. Lil years Pump, in yeah. advance, <laughs> <laughs> like five years before he popped up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he said, um, after mocking them, he said, well, I guess there goes my Louis shows. Being a little bit self-aware in the fact that now he may lose his sort of lucrative private gigs yeah. where he can network. Yeah. And yeah, due to like so the sort of anti-corporate stance that he's taken there. Uh, then he's, he just starts going ham towards record labels. Um, man, these record labels prostitute you, strap them to them so sushi bars and feed them lots of fugu. Catch a bad piece. You can stick that 360 between your ass cheeks. So fugu, I did actually know about this, but I didn't, I didn't know the name of it. It's a puffer fish that's very poisonous. Is that out of The Simpsons? And, oh, no, it's real life. It's fugu. Well, that happens in The Simpsons. Maybe they took it from real life. <laughs> oh, maybe. Um, and yeah, it's very poisonous unless you cook it just right. Yeah, there's a lot of different things you need to do. Like you need to remove certain parts of it 
And to be able to cook it, you need to be certified. That's and definitely out of The Simpsons. It's no, it's, it's a no, no, no. Genuine... But like, that's definitely in The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean. but it's not from The Simpsons. Yeah. Well, I bet it came out before this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he got the idea from The Simpsons. Um, and yeah, you, you need to like go through like a, I think it's like a twelve-week course or something, that's written and practical on how to cook this stuff. And I think you have to be able to cook it within twenty minutes, and serve it. To be able to get certified, God, like that's like the who's last testing thing. that. I, I don't know. It'd have to be like the federal, like food agency or something. No, but like the who's FDA. testing if you've made it right? Because if you made it wrong, you're dead. I think they watch you cook it, so they would know. But like, who's, who's who figured who's that out? Fa- who's having faith in that? I'd be like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> no, but who figured out that? Yeah, well, heaps of people probably died in the Simpsons. But then why would you keep eating it? You know, that's the episode where. Homer thinks he's going to die, and he stays up real early in the morning. Yeah. And he has, like, the, the the blanket over him, and he's, like, having this monologue about, like, oh, like, I'm going to miss Lisa, I'm going to miss Bart. It's quite a heart-wrenching... And then he just okay. falls asleep, and then he wakes up, and he's like, I'm alive. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. It is, it's a recent one. Yeah. It's a recent one. I like the one... Um where he takes the chili and just trips the fuck out and goes oh, to like yeah. the desert with and the, there's a with lady the fox. with the boobs. No, that's in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's two different things. But that's where he has the fox. Where he yeah. puts the candle wax on his mouth. Yeah, that's right. And then yeah. he eats it, yeah. I know all the Simpsons episodes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, feed him lots of fugu, catch a bad piece, means he wants everyone at his label to die. And uh, you can stick that 360 between your ass cheeks. Oh, I don't disrespect my boy 360 like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's no, absolutely no. disrespectful. That is a direct attack towards Atlantic, who tried to get him to sign a 360 deal, which are very sneaky little things. Uh, usually, whatever money you make from songs released under a record label, mm. that label gets a cut. But a 360 deal states that the label gets a portion of any money you make through any revenue mm. so he could like sign to nike and then atlantic gets a cut from that that's done. that's trash you get done like it, it's purposely labeled under a vague name too like a 360 deal that doesn't really mean anything mm. like you hear that and you go okay yeah just name of a deal like yeah so it, it definitely doesn't allude to we're going to take a lot of money from you it's it's just preying on like young artists who want to get signed. Then he goes on to say, artists, let's mobilize and unionize like like the athletes. Radio is making our craft weak, forced to repeat the same dumb shit that work, only as hot as your last beat. Mm. And rappers, they relate into that last piece. Album never leave their desk if you don't got no BDS. Sacrifice your publishing. They said you really need a hook. I didn't know what a BDS is, so I looked it up, and it's a broadcast data system. Basically, it's a service that tracks the amount of time that, or the amount of times that any piece of media has been played. So whether it be a TV show, and it's across any service as well, so whether it's on like pay TV, Frida TV, or Frida View TV, whatever that's called, Netflix, YouTube. I don't know like how it works. I don't know how you would get a BDS. Don't understand that at all. But they're basically saying we won't take a song from you and release it unless it's got a BDS in it. I, I guess it's kind of fair so they can track how well they're doing, but like 
a lot of artists aren't radio friendly. Yeah. So they're going to pay for something like a BDS. I don't know how much they cost for something that's like not going to benefit them in yeah. any way. If anything, it's probably doing them harm. And with the line, uh, they said you really need a hook. It's obviously the record label pushing him to make the track um, as catchy as possible, get more plays, giving the label more money. But of course, Lupe goes the next step because this track does not have any hooks. Oh. Nor does the entire mixtape that this is on. Get done in. Notice it's a mixtape and not an album. Done. Because he couldn't release it as an album. Get done in. The last set of lyrics I'll talk about are right towards the end of the second verse. He says, And what's stupid real is what producers feel. 20 placements or you stuck in that producer deal. And R&B chicks so get it the wildest. All their money go to hairdressers and stylists. Gotta keep up with that image. Label lose their mind if they ever see a blemish. Proactive and peels, airbrushes and trainers. Managers suggest you fuck a neighbour to be famous. But it's all entertainment. Wonder when Cobain blew his brains out, did he blame it? And if those snakes in the industry helped him aim it. Started pressing up records before the bullet left the chamber. So he mentions the producer deal having 20 placements. This is actually really common with producers. They need to get an absurdly high number of songs to chart. Uh, if you don't think 20 is an absurdly high number, Metro Boomin, very, very popular hip-hop producer, one of the metro. hottest in the game. Up the Metro. He's had 15. There you go. So even he is stuck in his like first contract. He's three quarters of the way of getting out of there and actually getting real money. And producers are definitely an overlooked artist within hip-hop as well. Like, I 100% agree that some artists or some producers have more worth than some artists. Mm-hmm. Like, I would prefer any day to work with Sunny Digital than Lil Xan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guarantee you that Zan got signed at a higher price than, than old Sonny. Yeah, getting back to the, the lyric, after bringing up the producers' contracts, Lupe mentions R&B artists needing to spend a shitload of money on their hair and skincare to keep their image up, mm-hmm. and the uh, record label just freaking out if artists get a blemish. Uh, Common has said a very similar thing too on his track, um, I Used to Love Her, which I did a dissection on two weeks ago, go check that out. So, obviously, it's something that's been around for a long time now. And, yeah, it won't be going away anytime soon. And I really like the line, uh, managers suggest you fuck a neighbour to be famous. Because uh, that will spark, you know, news stories coming from, like, blog papers about these artists pushing their name further. Popularity resulting in the record label getting more money. Like, that, it's not a Sims game. You know, mm. you can't tell this person, oh, go and get in a relationship with this person it will get me more money. Yeah. Like, that's the whole person there. And then, yeah, he also brings up Kurt Cobain's death, saying, did he blame it? We're referring to the entertainment industry that he brought up in the previous line. Uh, within Kurt's suicide note, he did express his unhappiness with the music industry. Uh, and with the line, started pressing up records before the bullet left the chamber. He died in April, and a Nirvana album was released in November. So what's that? Five months. No, April. That's six months. Oh, well, yeah, depending on when they came out, but yeah. Yeah, true. About five or six months. Yeah, which is quite... Like, considering how long it takes to, like, announce an album, you know, get the build-up to it, and make it, they would have started work pretty much right after 
you know, he committed suicide. Yeah. Which is very shady. Like, yeah, they just did not wait. It's, it's, yeah. Um, and the line before that as well, saying, wonder if these snakes in the industry helped him aim it. Uh, it, it implies something very strong. Uh, did his record label see Kurt becoming mentally unstable, see the opportunity to make an insane amount of money with a posthumous album, and sort of just feed more ideas into Kurt's brain to make him more unstable? Um, it's, a it's a bold claim. I hope that's not the case, but that's just because my brain's sort of default is to trust, so I hope the record label wouldn't be that evil. But in the first six months, that album sold 6.8 million copies. Mm-hmm. At $20 a CD, which is the average price back then, that's $136 million. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That is quite insane, isn't it? Last thing I want to say about the song it, uh, is the beat. Um, I think the beat choice here by Lupe was amazing. Produced by Nero, it is a sample of Nero's own song titled Doomsday. Uh, relevant song to sample, but it's a dubstep type beat, which back in 2011, when the song was released, was the newest and most upcoming genre. And it probably had like the most amount of light on it at the time. So we chose the beat that would do very well with a mainstream audience, mm-hmm. a beat that a record label would love, and rapped over it about how bad record labels can be. Drawing in mainstream eyes, drawing attention to that, like what Kanye did with the scoopity poop it's yeah. like that but at a grander scale I, I really really like that he did that and it's shining a light on something that hasn't really had a light shown on it before yeah because um, like Arda sort of just said well this is the industry this, that's what it's like it's, it's either I do this or I don't get signed and I don't get known mm. so they just had to do it and then I think Lupe was one of the first to sort of go like no that's fucked yeah don't want none of that um, and yeah, he took away something that they would want and used it against them. Sort of bringing in the, um, the, the whole world to see the record label with their pants around their ankles, just trying to cover up their junk as best as possible. Mm. That's what I reckon it is. There you go. Um, so yeah, well done Lupe, and I'm sorry that it affected your career, because he was blackballed by um, record labels for quite some time after that. I think it wasn't until sort of like Leave Me Alone that he had another hit. Mm. I, I might be missing one in there, but I don't think so. He was quite uh, big back in the day, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And then he just went into nowhere. And now that he's sort of like hanging out with uh, DJ Coloured, he's sort of popping off again. Because I believe it was Coloured that produced the Leave Me Alone. I could be wrong on that. Coloured. Alright. <laughs> Catch us this afternoon for... Uh, no, catch tomorrow for our review of B.O.B.'s, Bob's, oh, God. Somnia. <laughs> I forgot about that. We'll see you then. That's a wrap.